Hello there, podcast listener. Amber Noel here. It's my turn to be a listener now. I would love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. The Living Church, as you might know, is a nonprofit communications ministry with a heart for Christian unity, especially in the Anglican communion. And we want to keep our mission sharp in all we do, including the podcast, and have fun, obviously. But would you write to me and let me know how we're doing? What's the podcast doing for you? Is it making a difference in your thinking, your ministry, your prayer life, your daily walk with your golden doodle? Do you have some hot takes on what we could do better? I want to hear it all. I might even read your comments on the next episode. There are so many great podcasts out there. I want to do more of what The Living Church is here to do and less of what it's not. So there are two things you can do to help. First, make sure you're following us from a podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Find us on the page and click follow. The second thing you can do is email me, ambernoel at livingchurch.org. Share with me a thing or two you've gotten from the podcast over the years. And if you want, include something we might do better. Help us stay not just a great podcast, but on mission. Follow us, email me, A-M-B-E-R-N-O-E-L at livingchurch.org. I can't wait to hear from you. The Living Church, Catholic, Evangelical, Ecumenical. If you're anything like mostly everyone else, you've got a bit of a travel bug right now, right? Well, if so, we have a fun and carbon-neutral solution for you today. On this episode of the Living Church Podcast, we are heading to Toronto. Toronto, Ontario is, of course, the home of Wycliffe College, where maybe even some of you listening today went to seminary to become a priest or a deacon or a ridiculously overprepared layperson. Toronto is also the home of that iconic skyline with the CN Tower. It's surrounded by gorgeous waterfronts, green islands, and is a center of multinational life, education, commerce, the arts, and food. It's also full of thriving churches. If this shocks you to hear, then might I suggest that we could all probably afford to learn more about Canada, and not least in the realm of Christianity and church growth. How do urban and rural Canadian Christians thrive? Where is the church growing and why? And what can the rest of us learn from what Anglicans in Toronto are learning about ministry, multiculturalism, and community? Today, I speak with the Right Reverend Jenny Anderson and the Reverend Dr. Jeff Bolt about these questions and more. They give me a little taste of life in this fascinating city, literally almost a taste because we talk a lot about food, and a glimpse at how they've experienced immigration, ethnic diversity, and indigenous life building up the body of Christ in powerful and surprising ways. The Right Reverend Jenny Anderson is rector at St. Paul's Bloor Street in Toronto. She is former area bishop of York Credit Valley in the Diocese of Toronto and has served in Toronto for many years. Bishop Jenny has also served in the Diocese of London and the Diocese of Tokyo. All of this while raising a family of three daughters with her husband, Tim. The Reverend Dr. Jeff Bolt serves as a priest in the Diocese of Toronto. Jeff grew up a Mennonite and has a previous career as an animator. Jeff has contributed to several volumes of Anglican theology, most recently in the Bible and the prayer book tradition. In his free time, uh, apparently he is helping his wife, Jennifer, clean up after all of their bairns. Just a note, I want to mention that we recorded this episode before the horrifying news broke about the unmarked graves of 
hundreds of indigenous children found on the grounds of former church-run schools in British Columbia and Saskatchewan. Though honoring multi-ethnicity and a growing church is where our conversation today will focus, we also acknowledge the history in North America, a history shared by Canada and the U.S., not only of ethnic tensions that naturally arise in diverse contexts, but of terrible abuses within the church, a history that still cries out for repentance and healing. Lord, have mercy. Thanks for joining us for this conversation today. Now, shoulder your knapsack and let's head to Toronto. We hope you enjoy the trip. Amber, will you interrupt us? I know we have 45 minutes. If we're talking too long, you know, two preachers here. Yeah. Will you interrupt us if it's time to move on to another question? I basically am asking you to interrupt us because when you're interviewing preachers, it's a problem, right? How did you know? <laughs> welcome, Bishop Jenny. Welcome, Father Jeff, to the Living Church Podcast today. We're so glad to have you on. Great to be with you. Good to be here. I'd love to start out by talking about the city of Toronto since it's such an interesting and unique world city. When I visited Toronto a few years ago, I had a friend who was at Wycliffe um, doing a distance program, but she was there for a year in person and had a great time. It struck me as like New York City, very cosmopolitan, like I've said, a, a world city, exciting, great food, commerce, finance, the arts, but a lot less noise than New York City. Can you tell us a little bit about Toronto, especially for those who've never been to your neck of the woods? What is the character of the city and how is it there right now? Well, first of all, uh, you know, kind of pandemic aside, which is is a bit ridiculous to say because we're still under a stay at home order right now. So the pandemic's really in our face. Oh, wow. But, uh, you know, pan- pandemic aside, you know, Toronto's booming. Uh, you know, city planners are projecting a growth of kind of almost one and a half million people. Uh, in the next, uh, you know, 20 years. And the largest population growth is going to be in the downtown core. Uh, So there's condos, you know, going up all over the city. And it's this kind of fascinating mixture of, you know, kind of utterly post-Christian and secular, sort of think Seattle, (laughs) and incredibly religiously diverse, you know, with Mm. all the immigration and the religious diaspora communities that are coming into the city. So it's kind of this fascinating mix uh, of of the two. And I think there are, at last count, over 188 languages spoken in Toronto. And so I think it could lay claim, you know, fairly to being the global city of the world. And, you know, sort of think Pentecost is on Sunday. It's like Toronto is Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. (laughs) You know, so in that sense, it's incredibly missionally exciting uh, place to be. and, and as you said, the art scene, the music scene is really vibrant. You know, take take the pandemic out of the picture. It was really vibrant. I believe it will be really vibrant again. Uh, and the food's amazing because of all the global food, you know, Absolutely. all over the city, right? Yeah. And what's yeah. the name of that market? There's this market that I went to and had, I had this very weird craving for octopus. I kid you not, I was walking <laughs> through the market and the thought crossed my mind, I want some octopus. And then I see, lo and behold, this stand that's selling sauteed octopus with French fries. 
one of my best meals in Toronto. Kensington, what is that? Kensington Market. Yeah. Kensington Market. Yeah, probably oh. Kensington Market. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, right downtown, fantastic. right on the waterfront. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was so drizzly. It was a drizzly day. It was fantastic. Jeff, tell me what, be free to, to wax loving about Toronto or wax critical, whatever you prefer. <laughs> what is, what's the city like? What's your city no, like? I, I love it. And I, I live in, uh, to be clear, Mississauga, which is part of the greater Toronto area. So the GTA, how many people are in the GTA? Is it just, it, it's like over three and a half million, I think now. Right. So, and, and Mississauga would be probably the biggest uh, of the, the encircling cities, I imagine. Scarborough as well. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it, it's different by city. Um, but it, for me, coming from out west, I mean, everything's connected. It's, it looks, it's just one big city to somebody who's used to having lots and lots of like farmers fields separating one, one city from another. Right. So, um, uh, but then there's, there's kind of like, it's culturally different, different, um, immigrant communities, uh, are in different cities. Um, but like what I love about it is precisely that, that cosmopolitan thing, but there is something amazing about it. Like being able to meet people and talk to people from as many different cultures as, as you can imagine, uh, particularly if you're a student of religion. Um, like I, I was always fascinated with Eastern Christian communities and here in Mississauga, they're all here. Any kind of, you know, Syriac Christian community community, or, I mean, my wife is part of one of those Armenians, particularly in Scarborough and, and the cops are probably the next to the Roman Catholic church, probably the most visible church in Mississauga. The religious diversity that you've both mentioned, I'm getting the impression that the diversity is coming from immigrant communities for the most part. My, my sense, you know, my own experience is that, you know, a lot of the religious diversity, as you said, is coming from the immigrant communities. And even in our own Diocese of Toronto, the incredible linguistic diversity of the Anglican communion that is coming to reside and worship in our diocese, right, which is a glory to behold. It's really marvelous. I think like, you know, um, even people who've been in Canada for several generations, the challenge is passing the faith on to the next generation. Um, so, you know, the first generation that immigrates with their faith, uh, wh- whether it's Christian or a different faith, uh, come here. And then the challenge is learning how in a new context to pass that on to the next uh, generation. So, um, you know, we see that in, in the immigrant communities, even uh, it, alongside uh, you know, people, you know, I'm an immigrant. We immigrated from England when I was, uh, you know, about 12. Um, so even communities who've been in Canada for longer are still struggling with how to pass on their faith, whatever it is, to the next generations in a new land, right? How to sing the Lord's song in a new land is still a struggle for people. I mean, yeah. it's even hard to pass on language. My wife can speak Assyrian, but our kids can't at all. So there is a, a bit of a change of identity that happens um, when you can't speak that language of, of where you come from. Mm-hmm. And we see that in the worshiping communities, like in our Anglican parishes in the Diocese of Toronto, the first generation who come over, let's say they're, you know, Filipino or they worship in Juba Arabic or, you know, Mongolian. You know, we have all of that in our diocese. The first generation wants to worship in the language of, of where they've immigrated from, but their kids overwhelmingly then want to worship in English. Um, so you have these like, you know, tensions even within a small, you know, 
congregation of like, well, what's our worship going to be in? Literally, are we going to, you know, what language are we going to sing in? Um, and, and so those are some of those challenges that we find with that religious diversity in the diocese and the city of Toronto. This sounds like something that might hit on some distinctions about ministry in Toronto and maybe some ministry in Canada more generally. I wonder if this relationship that churches have to cultural preservation um, is is stronger or different than in the U.S., for example, where um, assimilation is is very much the norm and in in ways spoken and unspoken typically um, encouraged. Uh, it has been historically encouraged. And I wonder if if you find that this is something that's unique, is the sensitivity to just how many different cultures and languages are present in Toronto that is really affecting ministry there? Um, and do you see that as different uh, from other global North contexts? I mean, what I what I can say that I think is is unique to the Diocese of Toronto. It's just the sheer amount of linguistic and racial diversity, right? I think it's in many Global North contexts, but there's an intensity of it in the Diocese of Toronto, I think that is unparalleled. Um, you know, in, in the Western part of the diocese where Jeff lives and where I used to be the area bishop, like, I mean, there's worship in Portuguese, Spanish, Malayalam, Tamil, Cantonese, Mandarin, Twi, Swahili, Mongolian. I mean, you name it, right? It's there. And uh, I think that's a marvelous joy. And it's kind of the Anglican communion in microcosm, which is wow. really kind of wonderful. Hmm. But it also prevent, presents, a, you know, I used to joke that I'm already living the Archbishop of Canterbury's experience on a, on a daily basis in the western end of the Diocese of Toronto. But it also presents some particular challenges. How are we calling forth vocations uh, from those linguistic groups in that next generation? And how do we, um, there are some, you know, going to be different theological emphases on our great tradition, depending from, you know, where you've come from and how do we um, think theologically um, with all that cultural diversity. So I think that's both an opportunity and a challenge uh, for the church. But I certainly think that's one of the distinctives about our diocese. And then, of course, we have every kind of, you know, English speaking ministry that you could imagine as well. Um, but it is just, you know, and, you know, Toronto has the fourth largest Indigenous population in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does our ministry look like, you know, within Indigenous communities as mm-hmm. well? Um, so I think that's that's part of the richness, but some of the real challenges of doing ministry in our, our global city. Having not grown up Anglican, um, that was one of the things that I noticed when I, when I joined up, you know, particularly in Saskatchewan where... Um, I did a, a number of internships, a couple internships, like two summers out there. Uh, but it's also where I grew up. I was in the northern diocese. And I had just never, I'd never been to a reserve, essentially, until that point. And I had no idea that these were all, you know, founded by these communities, these northern communities, um, like all had an Anglican faith. And it would seem that the majority of people were baptized either Anglican or Catholic, depending on, on, on where they were. And so, and in, in a, almost like a, like an older Christendom sense, like culturally kind of everyone is one religion, but then I, you know, finding out about the history of, of the missionaries and, and uh, like by missionaries, I, I don't, don't just mean like the people that came from England to bring the gospel there, but like 
the um, like you know Henry Budd and 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 Seti and others who um, carried the gospel to their own people and 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 founded a lot of like the 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 little towns and stuff that I was familiar with. Um, it just kind of blew my mind as somebody who who came from a different denomination. I was like, wow. But that also says something a bit about like the ignorance that kind of exists um, with a lot of white people. That that's me. I'm I'm not trying to say that everybody is like that, but that was me. <laughs> it was the Anglican Church that opened some of the doors to that. Right? I'm like, holy smokes, everybody's Christian. This is making me think about everything that's been going on in the U.S. over the past um, couple of years. Uh, reckoning with race in just a very um, in-your-face and urgent way, uh, and also in Episcopal churches and in the Anglican communion in the States, reckoning with and wrestling with, maybe is a better word, the whiteness of Anglicanism for the most part. Is there something that, and I'm pulling this one out of the hat, I didn't send this to you in advance, is there something that you would suggest or recommend for leaders in the church in the United States that you have learned working in Canada, some way that you have gained wisdom, some way that you've been humbled. Do you have a, do you have a word for us? Well, at the risk of, of being really cutesy, you know, the word, the word for wrestling with racism is of course the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and the word is, is Pentecost and, you know, the spirit being poured out on all flesh. And I think, um, you know, we're continuing to, you know, come face to face with, you know, the racism in the Canadian church um, and the racism in the Diocese of Toronto, right? Absolutely wrestling with that too, um, you know, quite intentionally in our own diocese now. And I think that's a long journey that we're just, you know, beginning on many, on many levels. Um, but I think I'd also, you know, once again, I can only really speak from the Toronto context is, you know, the Diocese of Toronto is not a white diocese. <laughs> It's an incredibly racially diverse diocese, right? That you know is still wrestling with racism and, and the legacy of that, and it's and it's the, the fact that it's still present in our churches. And I think you know something that uh, I, I found helpful in the last year thinking about this is that you know we're being called uh, to break down the barriers and the sin of racism in our own churches for the sake of the mission of God, <laughs> uh, you know, not not for any other reason that you know. How are we going to share the gospel in this global city of Toronto if our churches, um, you know, have the barrier and the sin of racism within them um, and within all of our hearts, obviously? So, you know, I think, uh, you know, that that's a painful journey that we've begun to. I wouldn't say we're any further ahead than our sisters and brothers in the States, uh, but we're certainly not a white church in the Diocese of Toronto. I think even what I was trying to say about uh, Saskatchewan is it's not a white church either. Um like I think a lot of the, a lot of the dioceses in Canada reflect that missionary history, of, of both white and indigenous, and then, global south, um, kind of you know, here comes everybody, uh, from around the world, right, um, and I think that's distinctive of Anglicanism uh, alongside Catholicism, alongside probably Pentecostalism. I think those three probably stand out in that regard.
Hey, travelers, even after this trip to Toronto, if you've still got the bug, you've got two more weeks to sign up to join the Living Church in Rome, January 14th to 27th, 2022, hosted by Neshota House Seminary and the Living Church Institute. This pilgrimage to Rome will include a course on the history and development of Anglican ecclesiology and ecumenism. We'll share in the daily office and mass, participate in events around Rome in observance of the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. We'll tour the Colosseum, the Sistine Chapel, the Vatican Museums, and St. Peter's Basilica with a world-renowned art historian. We'll also have an optional day trip to Assisi and more. To learn all about the trip or sign up, visit nishoda.edu forward slash Rome or click the link in the show notes today. Again, registration ends July 16th, so boogie on down. Thinking about Anglicanism, Pentecostalism, and Catholicism, churches that in um, your, you know, where you see them are extremely diverse culturally, racially. And then you also have churches that are, um, full of people that are culturally specific, like Syrian Coptic. Um, I don't have a question about that, but it just strikes me that there, there are communities in which a culture, a language are being celebrated and preserved um, very carefully and encoded in worship in very intentional ways. And they have their own struggle to figure out how to pass on the faith um, and how to be a community, that, a worshiping community that also worships and does evangelism and catechesis. And then you've got other communities that are just um, a pie chart of the folks that are in Toronto and the and the greater Toronto area, and they have their own questions and struggles with issues of deep-seated systemic racism, and the diversity is there, but now how do we still deal with these sins? So it's just a really interesting set of problems that these two Christian groups, um, would, a, would I be right to say fairly thriving Christian groups in the greater Toronto area are dealing with? Would it be right to say, in fact, we can move to Another question I have, which is, would it be right to say that Toronto is kind of a a synecdoche for thriving Anglicanism in Canada? Yeah, you sure can. Um, I think, you know, a question people have asked me over the years, like, oh, is the church dying? You know, what's happening in the diocese? And I say, oh, it's not dying. Don't be ridiculous. It's the church. Um, But it is changing, right? And and I think the Anglican church in the Diocese of Toronto is changing. Um, That's for sure. And, you know, the pandemic is, you know, is accelerating the trends of change, right? And of course, there's some parts, I think, in the life of the diocese that are dying as, you know, twas ever thus. And there are some parts that are being reborn, renewed, and, you know, started from scratch. Um, And I think, you know, just on a, I think an interesting statistical, you know, point is just about 200 congregations in the diocese, about 25% 25% are numerically growing year upon year, and about 15% are holding stable numerically. And uh, holding stable, I always used to tell the clergy in York Credit Valley, holding stable is actually growing because the average mainline church loses, I think, about you know between 4 and 7% of, of people every year just to movement and death and you know whatever. Um, and occasionally people getting you know upset because you're not playing their favorite hymns anymore, right? Um, and so staying, you know, numerically stable means you're replacing the people who were dying and moving and getting upset with the hymns or whatever, right? So you got about 40% of the diocese that is either growing or stable numerically, right? And, you know, for a mainline tradition <laughs> right now, that's, those are, those are pretty strong numbers for which we give, you know, real thanks to God, right? I mean, 
got to give honor to God on this podcast, you know, for that. And, and, and I want to do that. So, so that, that I think is in that sense, that's very exciting, you know? Um, and, you know, I think, I think something that Toronto, once again, we give thanks to God for is that we've been able to focus on congregational health and congregational mission and vitality for a good, you know, 10 to 20 years now. And, and we're seeing some of the fruit uh, of that uh, in the life of the diocese and encouraging congregations to embrace those linguistically specific communities. So, you know, some of our church plants and our, our new expressions of worship are within linguistically specific communities like Swahili and like Cantonese. You know, in, in that sense, there's there's an element of a thriving aspect to the diocese, while there, of course, are other parts that are in decline. But I say to people, twas ever thus, right? This is the history of the church, is renewal and revival, death, renewal, revival, and death. So we see, we see that across our diocese as well. I don't know if I'd add anything, but um, eventually I'd be kind of interested in asking Bishop Jenny about her experience in Japan. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Um, good, good question. Uh, what took us there is we were, I was brand newly married. Tim and I just got married. And uh, I was, this is funny how God works. I had been ordained a deacon. I had not been priested. And my husband's a lawyer. And he got a job working at a Japanese law firm in Tokyo for the year. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, the Nippon Seikokai, the Holy Catholic Church in Japan, the Anglican Church in Japan, at that time did not ordain women priests. They only allowed women to be deacons, and I was a deacon. And there's only one English-speaking Anglican church in the church in Japan. It's in the Diocese of Tokyo. It's called St. Albans. And it's kind of the expat church. Um, And, I mean, this is how God works. They had an Episcopalian, an American rector, uh, Father Bill Hargett, And they had an Australian deacon who had just left to go back to Australia. And they had an opening for, da-da, a deacon. (laughs) And here I was, a newly ordained deacon, right? So, uh, you know, people often, you know, talk about how mysterious God is. And then sometimes God is like blindingly obvious. Like, here you go, Jenny, (laughs) off you go to Tokyo, right? Um, And so uh, Tim and I spent a very, you know, happy season in in Tokyo, at St. Albans Church in Tokyo, And what was really exciting for me then, which I still see in my ministry now, is, you know, it was the only English-speaking, you know, uh, Anglican church. So you had people from all over the communion, literally, of all theological and liturgical stripes who actually had to worship together, right? Mm. I don't like praise music. Well, I like hymns. You know, I'm, I'm liberal. Well, I'm conservative. And guess what? We all need to be in the same church together. And there was something, you know, really beautiful, uh, the heart of Jesus <laughs> in, a, in a church like that. Um, and there was, if you, if, you, if you had an argument, you still had to stay in the same church. There was kind of nowhere else to go. And in that sense, it was the beauty of the old parish church, which we've lost thanks to the car, where you kind of had to go to your local church, whether, whether you liked it or not, and really good for people's discipleship. Hmm. Um, and it was the first time I had worshipped alongside a Nigerian Anglican or an Episcopalian, or an Anglican from Australia, or an Anglican from, you know, Sweden, or wherever. And uh, and that was really something marvelous. And we also started the first Alpha course in Japan. And seeing Alpha being used in a multicultural context was hmm. you know, just personally exciting for me. So are there, are there opportunities to do the same kind of thing for um, priests in Canada? Like, on the one hand, uh, I mean, everybody in the world comes here to Toronto. Uh, on the other, 
it is kind of a different experience to go overseas and and, and see the global nature of, of the mm-hmm. church and and to mm-hmm. experience in that experience in that kind of way. Yeah. Um, I wonder what kind of things we could be doing in order to like connect up our people um, to the world in that. that and way. I wonder, Bishop Jenny, as you answer Jeff's question, if there's anything that occurs to you about how technology might play into this because of the hybrid church model that a lot of people are. We've done mm-hmm. some other podcast episodes on this and some thinking about this. Um, yeah. It, how does, and you mentioned, you know, you don't have a choice. You go to that church, no matter who you're worshiping with, no matter who you're arguing with. Yeah. Well, with a hybrid church model, people do have more choices of, I could I attend church, you know, I could attend church in Constantinople or yes. in Worcester, Massachusetts. So <laughs> how would you, how would you answer Jeff's question with technology in mind as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, I'd pick Constantinople at going to church there over <laughs> Worcester, Massachusetts. No, hey, no Worcester's offense Greece. to Massachusetts. I'm sure it's great, but like Constantinople, come on, that's amazing, right? Uh, so I think, I think you know, this is, of course, one of the potentially incredible silver linings of the pandemic is it's kind of pushed the church in at least the mainline church, right, into the, you know, online world. Our, many other traditions in the Christian tradition have been online, you know, way before we have, right? Um, so I think there's an incredible opportunity for, you know, having preachers from, you know, different parts of the communion come and, you know, bless your congregation online, uh, ways to partner up youth ministry online. There's ways to do discipleship like Alpha online and lots of other, you know, programs like that. So, you know, being able, you know, for example, my my last clergy conference with the clergy of York Credit Valley, we had the, you know, Bishop uh, Hussam Naum from Jerusalem come and be our retreat speaker for the clergy, right? Uh, The Anglican Archbishop in Jerusalem. We could never have had that, you know, before the pandemic, right? So, you know, I think those are some exciting ways that we can build the bonds of fellowship um, with the global church, both Anglican and and other denominations. I think the danger is going to be what you alluded to, Amber, is that we can just pick our favorite preacher, pick our favorite music, rather than having to kind of muck, muck in with the local group of Christians um, where, you know, the preacher may not be as sparkly and the music may be kind of amateurish and, uh, you know, it's your neighbor who, you, who irritates you. Um, so I think, I think there's some dangers for us on a, you know, for our discipleship in, in that sense. But I think there's a huge opportunity to build global bonds of Christian friendship that w- would be much harder, you know, to do in the past. Are there are there any like exchange programs in our diocese? These are things that I don't know, or even in the Anglican Church of Canada. Great question. Do you mean Jeff in terms of if someone were interested, let's say somebody in in the U.S. were interested in coming to Toronto and saying, how are they doing things there? Entering a a post white society when it, it we will not be a majority white nation in a very few years. Um, is this what you mean, Jeff, someone wanting to come and learn from a context um, that's as rich as Toronto and in some ways maybe even a forerunner of, of some of the of some of the things that that um, other places in the global north might experience? Yeah, well, there's something something to that. I mean, that's that's one thing that Canada um, has uh, to offer, um, but just kind of anywhere around the communion, like there's all sorts of things you can learn just by going and doing like a short-term mission, whether mm-hmm. you're lay or, or ordained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's opportunity. So to answer, you know, I think Amber and, and Jeff are getting at different things. And I think one of the things yeah. you're saying, Amber is, you know, can people from the United States, you know, 
or the Episcopal Church specifically come to Toronto and kind of see what we're doing, absolutely, you know, come on up. And uh, we just we just love the idea of Americans turning to Canadians and, and saying, hey, we need to learn from you Canadians. So, you know, we're, we're a really hospitable people. And, you know, in Canada, we're happy to take you under our wing and to kind of show you all that, that, that God is pouring out on oh, us. My American um, pride so is withering right now. I know you're very welcome. You know, we're we're happy to have you come and sit at our feet and 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 take take the scraps from our table, okay? So God bless you. Um so but but we do have people who come up from from uh, you know, the United States to come and see what we're doing and uh, you know, in the same way that I know uh, in a previous season of ministry for myself in the Diocese of Toronto, we we frequently went over to the UK uh, to learn from the Church of England uh, where the culture is, you know, I think ahead of us as far as secularization goes. And so, you know, our, our sisters and brothers in the UK have been wrestling with how to minister in a secular context longer than we have. Hmm. And I think there's a lot to learn from them, right? So so we, we've spent a season going over to the UK for sure and saying, what are they doing in that missional context? Um, and so, but I think now we're in a season in Canada of trying to figure out, well, what is this we've, we've learned from over in the UK, but what, what, are we, what are we doing here in our own Canadian context? Um, and then I think to answer Jeff's question, I think there's a couple of things. You know, parishes can twin with parishes around the communion, you know, very easily. You just have to kind of build a relationship and do that, which is wonderful to bless one another. And as a, you as a cleric, Jeff, you know, you're, you're, this is the joy of being part of a global family, right? You're, you're able to go serve uh, in another diocese. You simply write to the bishop and say, hey, <laughs> And I, can we have a conversation, which is what I did all those years ago. I wrote to the Bishop of Tokyo, right? And said, is there any, any way for me to serve? So all of those opportunities are open uh, you know, to you as a, as a cleric to serve in the communion. You just need to take some initiative. That's beautiful. And I think that a lot of people are who are suffering from cabin fever right now and just coming out of it are going to want to go. They want to go on cruises. They want to go on vacations. People are going to want to go on, you know, maybe more soul-feeding pilgrimages, and people are going to want to move, move house, because they're sick of the yeah. one that they've been in, and they're just realizing <laughs> it. But maybe something people could consider, instead of going on a Caribbean cruise, um, if you need that, do it. But maybe consider going and serving somewhere and moving there hmm. temporarily. If you just, if you need a change, if you need to get an ordination process that was slowed down by the pandemic, give it a hmm. little, a little um, jetpack boost and go mm-hmm. over somewhere and learn and serve and maybe even be ordained, um, you know, across in, in another state or in another country. I think that's a phenomenal, very creative idea. The Lambeth Conference is next year. What do both of you anticipate about Toronto's role at Lambeth next year? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, one thing I need to say is, you know, who knows what Lambeth's actually going to be like? in the sense that, you know, it was rightly postponed by the Archbishop of Canterbury because of COVID. But, you know, at the way things are going, I'm not even sure the Global South will be able to come uh, because of vaccinations, right? Uh, you know, brother bishop of mine in Tanzania, he and I were speaking just last week and he's like, sister, I'm not vaccinated. I don't know if I'll be vaccinated next summer. I don't know if oh I'll be gosh. able to fly, right? Oh my gosh. So, you know, I think we still underestimate I, I know I'm still underestimating the impact of the pandemic on the Global South. So even if people have invitations to Lambeth that they plan to take up in the Global South, they literally may not be able to get on a plane and come into Britain if they are not vaccinated, right? Um, so, 
you know, I still think there's a huge question mark that hangs over who will literally be able to be in attendance mm. at Lambeth mm. um, next year, right? So, mm. you know, I think that's I think that's something. I also think, you know, one of the things that Toronto, the Toronto College, you know, has is, as I've said, you know, Toronto is a kind of microcosm of the world. And so, you know, I can think of, of no better place than Toronto, the greater Toronto area, for uh, us to be, you know, kind of inhabiting a, a prayerful uh, repentance uh, about our sad divisions in the communion. And, uh, you know, how, how can they be healed for the sake of God's mission, both in, in the Diocese of Toronto, but also for, you know, the global communion? So I think that would certainly be a posture that uh, Toronto, I think, could helpfully have at, at Lambeth, um, which I think would be wonderful. Um, and I also think, you know, the, the Diocese of Toronto is what I would call a kind of mixed ecology diocese, right? We have, um, you know, historic churches, legacy churches like St. Paul's Burr Street, uh, you know, been around for, you know, since 1840s, um, as well as new expressions of, of church and worship, right? So church plants, fresh expressions of worship. So we're kind of a mixed ecology diocese in that sense. And we're also mixed ecology, if I can, uh, you know, theologically, especially on the issues of the day, of the church controversies of the day, you know, particularly around marriage, right? And, you know, the Diocese of Toronto's marriage policy is is holding up uh, two different um, theologies around marriage and, and what we would call some creative tension, that are both, you know, at the one hand contradictory and yet legitimately held um, and uh, blessed in our diocese. Uh, Whether you love that or whether you hate that, right, that's where we're at. And I think it's early days for us in the diocese of this mixed ecology. But I think the hope is that we can uh, mutually flourish in the diocese without separate ecclesial structures. And I think if, 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 you know, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we're able to to keep mutually flourishing in the diocese, that is something that I think would be a gift to Lambeth is, oh, look at how the Diocese of Toronto is trying to navigate that, you know, painful controversy, you know, in the life of our church. And also our diocesan bishop, Bishop Andrew Asbell, has got a real heart for creation care. And I know that that is one of the top priorities at Lambeth is the climate crisis. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to hear ways that we can be learning from you all and uh, great to hear about where you guys are, what God is doing. And um, even if there are things you're still not yet sure about, don't know how they'll work out, don't know what the future will hold. Um, it's lovely to hear That's right. <laughs> all these things that are going on. I actually, um, I do want to ask a very brief final question, which is for all the people listening who are now really interested in visiting Toronto. Once they go, <laughs> where should they eat? Jeff. <laughs> Well, Jeff. go to Kensington Market. Uh, there's a place called Hungry Thai that is Hungarian food done Thai style. <laughs> no, uh, say that so again. That was one of my no, wait a hungry, second. Did you say Hungry Thai? Did you Hungarian say Hungarian food. food done Thai style? Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the way Toronto is. You just take two extremely different cultures and mix them together and put them on a menu. The one thing Jeff forgot to say, though, is if you come to Toronto before you go to the Hungry Thai, is that what it's called, Jeff? Yeah. Okay, the Hungry Thai, you either have to take in a Blue Jays game, right, a Raptors game, or a Maple Leafs game, depending on uh, the time of year that you come to visit. 
oh no, is this all, are they all baseball teams or is this like cricket? Oh my cricket? gosh, Amber, Amber, stop, <laughs> Please stop, help stop me. now, stop now. <laughs> stop now before you dig the hole deeper. Sorry. So the Toronto Blue Jays is baseball, the Toronto Raptors is basketball, and the Toronto Maple Leafs is hockey. And okay. we're very oh. proud of all three teams. Thank you so much. I know there were, I'm sure some Canadians listening that were cringing, just like you were just there, Bishop Jenny. Well, when we are ready to be entertained and we're ready to eat well and we're ready to um, meet the both of you and we're ready to um, learn something really helpful and useful, maybe even um, prophetic about um, ministry in the church in the global north going into the future, we will definitely look you guys up and visit Toronto. Thank you so much for your time today. I've been speaking with the right Reverend Jenny Anderson and the Reverend Dr. Jeff Bolt. Thank you both so much for being with us today. Thanks, Amber. Great to be here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning into the Living Church Podcast. Now, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with economics? Hmm? Well, the season of Pentecost ain't over yet. Join us in two weeks when we will hear from Anglican priest turned CEO, the Reverend Dr. Nathan McClellan, and Pentecostal theologian, Dr. Daniela Augustine, on that very question. With a big dose of Eastern Orthodoxy thrown in for good measure, subscribe to the podcast and don't miss an episode. We always invite you to keep this podcast going by giving to The Living Church. Just go to livingchurch.org forward slash donate or click the link in the show notes. As always, I'm Amber Noel, your host, and it has been good to be with you. Peace.